and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Uh, today, we are actually talking about weeks one through three of the NFL season. I'll actually be recapping pretty much some of the hot stories that have been going on for weeks one through three. Um, just a welcoming sight to be back to the podcast, guys, as we are revamping the studio. Got a lot of great shows coming up for you. But uh, before we actually jump into the content today, I first and foremost want to thank Spotify, which was formerly known as Anchor uh, Podcast there. That's where you can find the podcast. You can also find us on Real Talk Sports with Rico at our YouTube channel as well. And I want to go ahead and thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show and also to the fans out there who have chimed in on a week to week basis to help us drive content to the show. So uh, while I'm diving into these topics, guys, I do have some Madden 2024 gameplay up that I'll actually be putting up here, uh, along with some of the dialogue that I have here for weeks one through three. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Make sure if you are playing a console, you go out there and you check that out for yourself. So let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles, who actually Got a big win here last night in Monday Night Football. I'm actually going to throw up some video gameplay of them going against the Dallas Cowboys, which is another team that I definitely want to talk about here. Um, <clears throat> so the Philadelphia Eagles, I think you're looking at a team that I had already picked to make it to the Super Bowl, and I think that they showed you why. They're really complete in all three stages. And the one thing that I did talk about in the preview going into the season is that the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten richer on defense. I think that when they went out there and they got Carter out of Georgia, they've also got another Bulldog that they drafted last year, along with the Fletcher, Fletcher Cox. They've got uh, Brandon Graham, too, still on this, this defense, too, as well. So uh, Bradbury playing in the back half. So the defense has actually gotten better from last season. And Jalen Hurts took a big step last year. I, I expect for him to take a, another step this year, even though I know teams were, uh, so to speak, scheming for him a little bit more this year. Um, so I think you see that basically off their two first offensive performances here through week one through three. Um, it wasn't the cleanest performance last night, but it was serviceable. Uh, one of the big additions that I did talk about was um, the <clears throat> addition here of DeAndre Swift. Um, I thought that DeAndre Swift was going to be huge for this offense. I, I did talk about this briefly, too. Um, in the preseason uh, predictions, I thought that DeAndre Swift might give the Eagles some stability at running back, something that they really haven't had since Brian Westbrook back in the day, or even Ligaris Blunt. You know, those were primary running backs that definitely the Philadelphia Eagles could count on. Uh, since that time, it has really been a revolving door with the Eagles, but DeAndre Swift has shown his value and I've always said that if he could stay healthy, he was going to be a major factor for anybody, uh, especially in Detroit. But he had 16 carries for 130 yards here in week number three against the Tampa Bay Bucks. He also had a big one against the Vikings, I believe, on Thursday night football with the 28 carries for 175 yards and a touchdown there. So, you know, DeAndre Swift has been really, really good. And what's scary about the Eagles is the Eagles have yet to really find their stride. I think that you saw some real 
uh, key plays down the field with A.J. Brown. Uh, that wasn't counting what they have with Devontae Smith. So the Eagles are in some great shape. And I love the fact that the Eagles actually took care of business. On the flip side of this thing, looking at the Dallas Cowboys, it, 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 it's so funny that every time Dallas starts off well, whether it's 2-0, 3-0, everybody wants to go ahead and assume that Dallas is going to make it to the Super Bowl. And in essence, every year Dallas is expected to go um, north when they're supposed to win something, uh, but they end up always going south when it comes down to a big game that they have to win. And they got beat by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I have to give the Arizona Cardinals – some credit. I think that the Arizona Cardinals really probably laid the, the blueprint down for how you would beat the Dallas Cowboys, which is physicality and you have to run the football. Those were two elements that the Cardinals were able to bring actually over the last two weeks because they had the Giants on the rope the week before uh, the Giants were able to come back. And in this one, Dallas was unable to come back. Um, but I think what was huge for them was the fact, again, that they had uh, a terrific ground game in James Conner. He looked a lot like the all-pro that he had looked like in Pittsburgh with the 14 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown there. Joshua Dobbs wasn't really great, uh, but he was serviceable. You know, 17 of 21, 189, um, didn't turn the ball over and had a touchdown, so he was a game manager. He also had a QBR of – 83-9. So, you know, that was huge for the Cardinals to get on the, the the winning track. But I think this is a tough one for the Dallas Cowboys, even though they're two and one. Um, I'm not really impressed with Dallas. I think I'm going to be more impressed for Dallas when they make it to the NFC championship game and beyond. And I think that if you're a Dallas faithful or if you're Jerry Jones, at some point you have to tell yourself you've got to shake it up because Dallas is very far removed from the time that they had Troy Aikman, uh, Emmitt Smith, uh, Michael Irvin. They're far, far removed from those Super Bowl years, and they have not been able to find that magic. And, you know, for a team that is a focal point in the NFL, I know that that has to be disappointing. And at some point, they've got to shake it up. And it, it, it has got to get past the point where you start off well, you get to the playoffs, and then you falter or you start off not so good and you pick it up, you get into the playoffs, and then they end up getting beat there as well. I'm thinking of the years where they had Tony Romo, um, and now I'm thinking of the years now that they've had Dak Prescott, mainly the year that they had Ezekiel Elliott in his rookie year. Everybody thought that Dallas was going to win, uh, and they were disappointed there. So I think Dallas is somehow, some way has to shake it up and get over that, that proverbial hump. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, I told you, were my surprise pick uh, in the NFC North. I thought that they could be the dark horse in this one. Um, the one thing that Green Bay does well is they draft quarterbacks. Uh, look at what they did with Brett Favre. Look at what they did with Aaron Rodgers. And now you're seeing it with Jordan Love, who threw for 259 and a touchdown. He did have a pick there um, last in yesterday's game or Sunday's game, excuse me, against the Saints in their comeback where they were down 18 or 17 to nothing. So Jordan Love has looked really good. I know he wasn't looking as good when he had to take an early start for Aaron Rodgers, I think about a season ago. Um, but I think that the confidence that Jordan Love got as soon as he was drafted, uh, yes, he wasn't necessarily ready to play when they called upon him. Um, for that that one 
you know, one-off injury game that Aaron Rodgers had. But after a year of sitting behind Aaron Rodgers again, this is finally his training camp. I think you're seeing the evolution here of the Packers and Jordan Love. And I expect for them to get even better when they get Christian Watson back. And Romeo Dubs is playing outstanding. Those were two wide receivers that they drafted uh, a season ago. They're starting to pay dividends here. So I think that Green Bay remains on my radar. I think that they could possibly steal this division from the Lions. Speaking of which, about the Lions. So I have to give credit where credit is due. I, I anticipated that the Lions were going to be good. They have looked good so far through the first three weeks. I was a little disappointed with them after they beat the Super Bowl champs on week one. I thought that they were going to come back here in week two and take care of Seattle. Uh, wasn't able to do so, but it was a pretty good game. I think that they had a pretty good game a year ago uh, against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, where that actually went down to an OT. But Geno Smith was able to throw his second TD pass to Tyler Lockett, which actually lifted the Seahawks up to a 37-31 victory there uh, in week two against the Lions. But the Lions come back against the undefeated Atlanta Falcons here and get a critical win, uh, winning 20-6. to uh, Jared Goff throws and runs for a TD here. And more importantly, they have really found something with uh, Jamar Gibbs, uh, a young man that they got out of Alabama, certainly made DeAndre Swift expendable. But now you're starting to see him really catch his legs. Uh, usually it takes running backs uh, about you know three or four weeks within the regular season to really catch on. He's starting to find himself. Uh, starting to look really good over the last couple of games and, and shows why Detroit had so much um, upside with him and value in him and letting Jamal Williams go and, and also letting DeAndre Swift go. So this complements Jared Goff well. And the one thing that I like about the Detroit Lions right now is they're playing complementary football. I think that their defense is probably going to be one of the best in the league. I think it's going to be right up there with the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers when it's all said and done. Uh, but more importantly, it, their offense kind of looks a lot like what it uh, did when Jared Goff played for the Rams. So I love what you know the coach has got uh, developed around Jared Goff. I've always said that Jared Goff needs a lot of pieces to be successful and kudos to the Detroit Lions. I think they're very poised, if not to win this division. I think that they're going to move on uh, and certainly qualify for a playoff spot, something they haven't done since 1992. Um, next up, the next team that I want to talk about is the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have certainly been the talk of the town after putting up 70 points in week number three against the Denver Broncos, who I think is one of the worst teams in the league. And I don't think it was necessarily um, a rubbing game or anything like that. But to me, it seems like with the Broncos, I think a lot of people are taking Sean Payton's comments personally. You know, Sean Payton was on the air as a television analyst after coaching the Saints for about a year or two. And he made some comments about some coaches and players and things like that. And I think now that he's on the sidelines, I think teams are starting to go ahead and they're wanting to go ahead and pay, uh, pay, pay off the debt, so to speak. And I think that that is why you are seeing a lot of teams really take it to the Denver Broncos, uh, even though Denver is just not that good. But 
with the Dolphins scoring 70 points, I said this before, I felt like Tua is that guy that he has to stay healthy. Uh, Tua has to stay healthy in order for the Miami Dolphins to be good. Um, if Tua doesn't stay healthy, then I think the Dolphins struggle. Uh, I don't believe too much into Tua. I think that Tua is a guy that he, to me, um, if he's not if he's not healthy, I, I think he's probably looked at as a bust. Um, and I think he's doing well this year. Kudos to him. He's stayed healthy. I hope he does stay healthy in his career. I'm not betting on the fact that that's going to happen. I think that Miami is going to take a slide. I don't think that Miami is necessarily going to um, end up winning this division, um, even though I think that they have a ton of talent, especially if Tua goes down. One of the guys that I did talk about here was um, he's out of Texas A&M, talented running back, Devon Aiken. I think that this guy has the potential to possibly steal RB1. Uh, 19 carries, 208 yards, and two touchdowns Excuse me, against – the Denver Broncos. And when you look at him, he has tremendous speed. He has tremendous hands as well. He reminds you of a bigger version of say like a Marshall Falk, the way he is so versatile like that. And even a little bit more of an Austin Eckler type running back. And so look, Miami again's loaded. I think it comes down to two. Can he stay healthy? I'm not sure about that, but so far the dolphins look really, really good. One of the most disappointing teams in the NFL right now has to be, in my opinion, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Chargers, even though they got a win here in week three, winning 28 to 24, they have looked terrible. They got torched by the Miami Dolphins. They gave up terrible penalties in that game. In week two, they were up against the Titans and they gave that one away. And then they almost gave this one away against the Vikings. The Vikings literally were on the three or four yard line, something like that. Kirk Cousins throws an interception and gets picked there in the end zone, which keeps uh, allows the Chargers to get a win and keeps the Vikings winless. Um, the Chargers, I, I thought, had really got over um, what had happened uh, with Coach Lynn. Uh, before Coach Staley had gotten there. And when Coach Lynn was was there uh, the year before Staley, here's last year, they were the really the champs and just losing close games. And I think that they have really gone back to that formula. And I don't know if you can say, okay, be, because of what happened to them against the Jaguars in the playoffs, that – is kind of a carryover. I don't know. It does kind of seem that way. I mean, one could say that um, they haven't really been right since that game where they were up 28 to seven or something ridiculous like that. And they end up losing the game. Um, but this is much like the chargers over the last couple of seasons, they just find ways to lose games. And there's that old adage where you have to ask yourself, or you say to yourself as a competitor, they're not really getting beat by teams per se they're actually getting they're beating themselves and so I, I don't like the Chargers outlook moving forward and I think that if they were to or if they were if they would have actually lost to the Vikings I think that they probably would be looking to fire the coach 
Uh, that's how terrible the Chargers have been. So uh, very disappointing considering that they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I like Quentin Johnson, who they got out at um, a TCU. Mike Williams went down in this game as well. It didn't look good. I haven't checked the injury report, uh, but on artificial turf, a knee like that, hyperextended, you hope that that's what that was and it wasn't a tear or anything like that. They're already without Austin Eckler. I don't think that the Chargers are trending in a good position. And I, I really think that it's a possibility that they could actually end up firing the coach. I mean, because when I looked at the box score, Justin Herbert threw it 47 times. He was 40 for 47. And first of all, he only missed on seven passes, but the Vikings defense has really not been that good. And I'm not sure that Justin Herbert's going to be able to eat up defenses like that and go 40 for 47. I mean, this is stuff like Patrick Mahomes does this stuff maybe every once in a while. Um, but for him to, to continue to do that for them to win, uh, it's not a good success or a good formula for success for the Chargers. Uh, next up, let me talk a little bit here about some of the rookies, mainly the quarterbacks and starting with Anthony Richardson. So Anthony Richardson, if you've been looking here over the first couple games, he's really looked good as far as running the football. The problem with him is that he cannot stay on the field. Um, you're looking at some footage right here of Anthony Richardson right now and what he would look like in practice. But he's been knocked out through to uh, the concussion protocol. And I think that when you look at Anthony Richardson, he reminds me a lot of what RG3 was for Washington back in the day, but he doesn't necessarily have, I, I think what RG three had initially with his ability to kind of dice up uh, defenses with his arm. Uh, the scheme was, was really good. And I said that, you know, with the Colts, they were going to struggle because offensively, you know, they were already without Jonathan Taylor. They were already trying to figure out what they were going to do with running back, uh, with RB1, which I think they figured it out with Zach Moss, who's been incredible thus far. But they struggle to get the ball to their playmakers, whether it's uh, uh, whether it's um, Pierce, Alex Pierce, um, or whether it's Pittman. And that was expected with a young rookie quarterback. Uh, what really scares me about Anthony Richardson is when you look at his picks, you look at the fact of when he's getting himself into – uh, situations where he's knocked out of the game with a concussion, it is because he's trying to rely a lot on his athleticism. And he's really thinking that, um, you know, the defense is going to hit him the same way that they would <clears throat> as, as, as he was in college. But these guys are, are grown men and they're just as fast as him. And the punishment that he's taken over the first couple of weeks really scares me. You know, it doesn't seem like if if he continues to take that type of punishment, he's not sliding and he continues to put himself in that vulnerable state. I don't know if Anthony Richardson's going to finish the season, and I'm not sure about Anthony Richardson as far as the long haul health wise. And that's huge, you know, for a franchise that has put a lot of stake into Anthony Richardson. Remember when I was talking about it after the draft, Anthony Richards, Richardson is the kind of guy that either you draft him as a GM and you're going to look terrific or you're a GM that passed on him and you're going to get fired 
or you could be that GM that got this guy based off what you saw on the tape and you're still going to get fired because he doesn't really grow to what you expected him to. And so um, the Colts took a big chance on this guy. He did rise up in the draft boards quite quickly. I mean, I did see some wonderful things on tape like a lot of other scouts, but there's just so much uh, stuff that's out there that's raw and it's not a good start to his career that he's really putting himself in a vulnerable state um, with the runs. So hopefully he figures that out. Next up, let's talk about C.J. Stroud. And so C.J. Stroud has looked uh, terrific. I think that when you look at C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud might be uh, the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, I think that C.J. Stroud looked really good against the Jaguars. Um, you know, I thought that when he essentially um, got into the, the the starting role initially, um, he looked a little, uh, I shouldn't say startled, but maybe not necessarily adjusted to the game speed of the NFL. But I think that now it's starting to slow down. When you look at what he was able to do against the Jags here this last weekend, putting up 37 points, um, you know, 280 yards, two touchdowns, huge, huge for him. And he looked calm in the pocket. Uh, you don't see C.J. Stroud necessarily looking to take off and run. Uh, I like that about him. I like the fact that he was able to find Tank Dell, another rookie uh, that actually I thought would be pretty good. He had five receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown as well. But I've liked the poise of C.J. Stroud. I really do. He was 20 of 30 in this one. Uh, about nine yards uh, a pass average. So I love that about him. Right now, he's 64% uh, on his passing attempts. He's almost to about 1,000 um, passing yards, but he has four touchdowns on the year. And even though, like I said, they lost in the first two games, he has looked even better each and every week. This is by far one of his most efficient weeks out there. And I expect it to be the up and up for him. And he really could be one of the best Ohio State quarterbacks to come out in quite some time. Um, and I guess you could say Joe Burrow's out there as well, even though he finished his career at LSU. But C.J. Stroud has all the tools. I love the good composure that he's shown thus far. And I, I really think that he might be the best in the draft. Uh, speaking of the quarterback that was taken ahead of him, looking at Bryce Young. So the one thing about Bryce Young that many were talking about was could Bryce Young stay healthy? And the answer is no. He had to miss uh, this last week here in week three due to an injury. And when I look at Bryce Young, he reminds me a lot of Tua. These guys can definitely play. Certainly when they're in there, there's a lot of great things that they do. I definitely think that he's going to generate some wins but the problem with Bryce Young and that small frame is I'm not so sure he's going to stay healthy. Um, looking at him on his Monday night debut, he looked a bit rushed. He looked flustered out there. Um, he looks like he's going through his progressions a little bit more quicker than what you would want to. But he's a rookie. And unfortunately, with the Panthers uh, and Frank Wright, I'm not sure that that was the best decision to really throw him in there like that. Um you know, I think that it would have been better served for the Panthers to probably go out there and get a veteran. Um, look at Gardner Minshew. Like a guy like Gardner Minshew would have been perfect 
for this particular year for, um, for Bryce Young to actually learn. And I'm just throwing him out there as a vet that possibly they could have thrown in front of him um, and give, give, you know, a guy like Gardner Minshew or somebody like that, some, some games before you actually throw him out there. So I just, I hope that, you know, Bryce Young has a chance to really kind of mature, get nurtured and, and doesn't really take, um, a lot of these beatings to heart here and actually really derail his career because I've seen a lot of young quarterbacks get out there um, and then, you know, they, they get beat up out there. They get put in there too quickly. They're throwing a lot of interceptions. And then the next thing you know, uh, the media, everybody's saying that they're a bust. You know, I'm not saying that Bryce Young is going to be a bust. I don't think he's a bust. I just think that the physicality of the game is what really scares everybody. You know, can he stay upright? And it's just not good uh, starting off that he's in week three and he's already injured. So definitely not a good sign. Next up, the Washington Commanders. So the Commanders, they've looked good thus far. I mean, I know that they ran into a buzzsaw with the Bills. Um, I kind of expected that. You know, because I think the true test for Washington would be, could they beat a team like the Bills? And obviously they're not ready for that. Um, I do think that they're going to be in the hunt. I think that they're going to be an exciting football team. I, I do want to go back and revisit Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell's been very efficient. I think that Sam Howell, to me, reminds me a lot of what Kirk Cousins was. So he's like a younger version of Kirk Cousins. Um, but even though he did throw the four interceptions here against the Bills, understandably so. But, uh, you know, he's got a nice core behind him with Brian Robinson. He's got Antonio Gibson. He's got uh, Terry McLaurin. He's got Curtis Samuels, Jahan Dotson. So a lot of pieces that he can go to. And I think that Washington's time is going to come, even though that the Bills took care of business in Washington here in week three. Next up, let's talk about the team that I said would more than likely probably be in the NFC championship game, and that's the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers have looked every bit of the part, and mainly Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has actually looked a lot better here in year two than he did in year one. And so I don't know if it was you know him having the full training camp, knowing that he's going to be the starter. Um, I know that Troy Aikman was saying on the broadcast that – in high school, he had the same offensive coordinator as Troy Aikman did in UCLA. Now, obviously, you know, Troy Aikman was a Hall of Famer for the Dallas Cowboys and won some Super Bowls. So Brock Purdy can play. Uh, I mean, I think that there is no doubt about it. We should definitely uh, stop calling him Mr. Irrelevant. I, I don't care if he was drafted last or whatever the case may be. This guy can absolutely ball. Putting up the 300 yards, you know that he's going to have a full year um, with uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's going to have um, the running back play with McCaffrey, who had 85 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown. Debo Samuels is going to have a better year, six receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown in their win against the Giants. But the defense has looked pretty good. I think it was huge for them to go out there and get um, – Bosa back out there. So the 49ers look every bit of the part. I expect them to be in the hunt once more again. Uh, next up, one of the more disappointing teams in the NFC has got to be the Chicago Bears. I had them picked 
to be probably last in the NFC North, but I expected them to compete a little bit better than they have. They're now 0-3, dropping an embarrassing one to the Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs uh, defending Super Bowl champs. So Justin Fields, I don't think it's his fault. I think that it's the pieces around Justin Fields. And one of the coaches was let go. Um, a lot of controversy there. You'd have to look that up and see what that's about. But I think that, yeah, it, it just comes down to the fact that they have got to get better pieces around Justin Fields. And I think that if you put Justin Fields on any other team, like, for instance, if he were with the Cardinals, I think that that's a team that they could win immediately. I like. I think that the Cardinals are a team that, that surrounds him with better talent. And why the Chicago Bears have not gone out there and surrounded Justin Fields with better talent, uh, that's just puzzling to me. And it almost seems like you have to ask yourself, is the GM trying to set Justin Fields up for failure in this situation? Because I guarantee you're not going to find another quarterback any better than that. Uh, even if you were to put Caleb Williams, a guy that a lot of people might be tanking for next year, you put him on the Chicago Bears team and he wouldn't be able to get it done. They just don't have enough playmakers out there. And so that's really the most disappointing thing with the Chicago Bears is that they have not put the talent around a top tier quarterback and they're really wasting this quarterback. Um Lastly, I want to talk about the Jets. And so the Jets, if you've been looking at their season thus far, it's been interesting because they lost Aaron Rodgers to the Achilles injury. They're back to Zach Wilson. And sadly, I think that we could now say that Zach Wilson is not the guy. I didn't think he was the guy last season. Um, certainly when they took that slide where they had started off very good and then they took the slide and they knew it was the quarterback. That's why they went out there. They made this deal and they got a 39 year old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. The problem is they didn't anticipate Aaron Rodgers going down with a season uh, ending injury. And now they're back to Zach Wilson and they're in a situation where they got better offensively, right? Because they, got Dalvin Cooks. They got Brees Hall back. Uh, they went out there and got Lazard. They have uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, they still have Garrett Wilson, who we I thought was going to have an amazing year this year, right? Um, so they got all these offensive weapons. The defense is every bit of stellar, but they still don't have quarterback play. And to hear Robert Sala, the coach there, say that he feels like Zach Wilson is the guy, I'm not sure about that. You know, they just went out and signed Trevor Simeon uh, on the practice squad, and that indicates to me that they maybe think that they've got to take a look here at some vets and get somebody in here before this season slips away. And it's unfortunate for the Jets because I had the Jets really picked to possibly steal um, that division and I, I think now it's wide open for them, uh, for actually not for them, but for anybody else in that division. So pretty disappointing with uh, how the Jets have actually ended up here. And they've got to go out there and get them some more insurance policy. Um, and before I get off here, I'd have to talk about the Raiders, man. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming over here. Been disappointing for Jimmy Garoppolo. I said that they needed a running game. They haven't been able to get Josh Jacobs going and anytime Jimmy Garoppolo has had some success, he's always had a good running game. 
Um, just look at what he had with the 49ers. You look at what Coach Shanahan set up for him. They've always had good running backs. They don't have very good running backs, and I think you see that he struggled. And it's really surprising that he's able to get Devontae Adams off uh, 13 receptions, 172 yards, and two touchdowns here in this last game against Pittsburgh, but they still lose because Jimmy Garoppolo throws three interceptions. So that's not really Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Uh, he's not a guy that you want to see turn the football over like that. And if he does turn the football over, you know that you are into some real trouble, man. You're in some real, real trouble. And so that's the really been the story, I think, for um, for Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders. And kudos to the Bengals taking care of business. Uh, I don't like the Bengals long term. I don't like the fact that uh, Joe Burrow has had the calf injuries. A calf injury is one of the toughest things to recover from in any position um, in sports. And he's not right. And they have struggled to get the ball down to their playmakers. They haven't been able to get Joe Mixon involved. <clears throat> the defense is stellar. And you're not seeing the Bengals sustain a lot of drives. It scares me that they only were able to put up 19 points, even though Jamar Chase had over 100 yards and so many receptions here uh, yesterday in Monday night's game, or actually in Monday night's game. So, <clears throat> yeah, the Bengals – Long-term doesn't look very good, even though they did get a win here against the Rams. And so with that being said, guys, uh, that is today's show. I just wanted to briefly talk about, uh, you know, some of the, the teams and some of the things that have been going on uh, on weeks one through three. I'll be a little bit more in-depth here on week four. I'm actually going to back, be bringing in some films and we're going to actually do some film study here. We're also going to be talking a little bit more about some of the UFC fights that have actually taken place as well. So I actually might have a guest uh, coming on the podcast for that. And so before we get out of here, let me go ahead and thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show. Let me go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I appreciate that. And I just want to go ahead and once again, thank everybody that uh, has shown us some love here and helped us drive content to the show. And so for myself, uh, this is Rico. This is Real Talk Sports, guys. We'll be back with another show. All right, guys, take care and peace.